Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is Friday, January the 13th, 2023. It is currently 8.14 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Now, I want you to think about this carefully, right? I want you to consider this, all right? Are you ready? I want you to contemplate this carefully. Think of a, think about the times, maybe it's church, maybe it was last week, I don't know when, but think about the times where you have spent a dedicated and serious amount of time studying the Bible. You have read the Bible, you did a Bible study method, I mean, you just spent, you sat at a table, maybe you listened to sermons and took notes and looked up scriptures and did cross-referencing, maybe you grabbed a Bible dictionary, a Bible encyclopedia, you grabbed uh, some concordances, and you just, are not necessarily concordance, some commentaries, uh, maybe a concordance as well, whatever you needed to do, you just had all the tools, all the reference tools, and you spent some time seriously studying the Bible, maybe it was an hour, maybe it was two hours. Maybe that happened today. Maybe that happened last Sunday. Maybe it's going to happen this Sunday. You're going to spend two or three hours at church on Sunday, really digging into the scriptures. So after all of that time of Bible study, all of that time of studying, reading, listening, writing, meditating, contemplating, talking about it, discussing it, after all of that happening, What should come next? Bible study, then what? Bible Bible study should lead to what? We all know about studying the Bible. We know about it. We've been told our whole Christian life, study, 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 right? You've been told that your whole Christian life, right? You need to study your Bible. You need to read your Bible. You need to memorize your Bible. I mean, over and over and over. But what comes after Bible study? What flows, what should flow from Bible study? What's next? Now, a lot of people say, well, what's next is, well, I, I, I have more knowledge. But remember, we're given a warning in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 1. Or 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. Here we go. No, now, this is uh, Paul writing to the church of Corinth. Now, as touching things offered unto idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth. Now, if I was to read that same verse from a different translation, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. Now, about food sacrificed to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up. So both uses this same kind of concept of puffs up. Knowledge can just build us up in a sense, can make us arrogant, can make us prideful. So we can't say Bible study, then knowledge, even though yes, knowledge does flow from it. And knowledge is a good thing, but knowledge in and of itself can simply lead to spiritual pride, spiritual arrogance. It can make us condemning, judgmental, unloving, miserable, hateful, 
I mean, it, it, it can have a very negative effect and we all are aware of that. Look, I can't speak of you. I can't speak for you, but I know in my own Christian life, there has been many times. Look, look, if there was one strength in my Christian life, I've got thousands of weaknesses. I have made hundreds of thousands of mistakes. I've sinned. I've let people down. I've hurt the name of Christ. I've hurt people. I mean, look, I say it all the time. I'm just a sinner with a microphone. That's, that's all I am. Right? So I've made a million mistakes, but the one area, oh, the one area where I have been strong, I have been disciplined, I have been committed is study, 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 study. You put me at a table with a Bible, notebooks, and a bunch of reference tools. I mean, that's like, that's a great day right there. Just study and reading and, and talking and thinking and trying to figure it out and trying to understand it. And I've, and I've been that way literally from the word go. I mean, I, the night I got saved, I was handed a Bible. I went home, stayed up all night and read the entire New Testament. By the next day, by basically 24 to 48 hours later, I'd already read the entire Bible once. Within, I think, two weeks, I'd already read the Bible like two or three times. I mean, I just read and read and read and read and read. I didn't understand how to study. I started asking questions about how to study. Nobody could give me a good answer. It was, I, it was just like, you read it, you highlight it. It was just kind of like this very vague and general stuff. And I'm like, wait a minute. The Bible's supposed to be the inspired, inerrant, you know, preserved word of God. And the best you can come up with is highlight a few things, do some cross-referencing, like no real method. So I'm like, this is, this can't be. So as a teenager, drove to Bible bookstore, Abilene, Texas, Butternut Street. Looking around, there's the bargain bin. Bargain bin, okay. I'm going through the bargain bin and there's a book on Bible study methods for like 25 cents. I mean, they're literally like giving it away. And I'm like, I want that. I took that home, devoured that book. I'm like, okay, Bible study method. There's the devotional method. There's the chapter summary method. All the different, the biographical, the topical, the thematical, chapter analysis, book background, just all the different methods, word study method, as I just taught a couple of hours ago, all these different methods. And I'm like, I'm going to learn these methods and I'm going to study and I'm going to study and I'm going to study. But it did not take long. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, it did not take long that I went walking into Sunday school, right? And I was an arrogant jerk who basically tried to humiliate my Sunday school teacher going, give me a break. I've been saved like a month and I know more about what we're studying today than you do. I was an arrogant, condescending jerk. I was, I was, I, because I didn't understand because I, what I found out, it did not take me long that a good portion of the people I went to church with, like, I didn't understand. They were like, the Bible is this wonderful thing. But nobody would really study. I couldn't get anyone to study. I tried everything. Hey, let's, hey, what did you study this week? Hey, did you, what about that? And, and nobody seemed to be, have any, they didn't seem to care. So I knew my strong part, my, my, what was, my strength was study, but I did not realize, I mean, at the time I didn't realize that it was, it was actually being detrimental to my spiritual life because what was, what came next was Bible study and what came next was knowledge and what came next was spiritual arrogance, self-righteousness, and pride. And it was a it was embarrassing, it was abysmal, and it and it led to all kinds of major spiritual up, uh, upheaval in my life with lots of horrible mistakes, and I probably hurt a lot of people. So when I say Bible study, then what? It can't be just Bible study, then knowledge. 
It, it can't just be that. So what should flow from Bible study? Some of you are going to be saying, obedience. Oh, you have to obey it. Well, okay, now let's be honest. When we study the Bible, we are confronted over and over and over with the law of God and the commandments of God. And the one thing you're going to know is you never truly obey it in any way, shape, or form. You fall short continually. So guess what? That, that gets into a discussion about law and gospel, okay? But I understand there's a desire to obey it. I know we want to obey it. But what other things should, should possibly flow from it. Well, the reason I'm asking that question this evening, the Bible, Bible study then what, is because at about, I don't know, 2 a.m., 4 a.m., somewhere early this morning, I was laying in bed and I was looking at the Sermons 2.0 app on my iPad. Just going through Sermons 2.0 app, just, just scrolling through, looking, looking, looking under the Discover tab, looking, looking looking at the hashtags, looking at new, and I had the, the uh, part of the, of the app open for new sermons, and I just kept refreshing, and boom, new, new sermons were popping up. Boom, 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 new sermons. New, and I just saw one. I think I just did like a refresh, like whichever, and I basically said, whatever pops up here next, I'm going to hit play on. Boom. I hit play, set the iPad down, laid back, and all of a sudden I was like, ah. I know that passage of scripture. And then all of a sudden it hit me. Bible study, then what? This seems to be giving me the then what, even though that's not really the point of the sermon. So what we're going to do is we're going to just review like the first six to eight minutes of this sermon. I want you to listen and see if you detect what should flow from Bible study. What? Bible study, then what? What should come after it? So you listen. I'm going to let you try to figure it out. But uh, I've got a, a notebook here with a pencil, right? And what we're going to do is we're going to listen to what they have to say. Now, remember, their point in the sermon, their thesis in the sermon isn't, this is what should flow from Bible study. They've got a kind of a, a deep, a, a different thesis, a different purpose. But I want to take the text that they use, and I want us to write out, here are the things that should follow Bible study. Bible study, then what? The then what is found in an Old Testament book. I'm not going to say anything else. You're going to know here in just a minute what book. Well, the sermon, the, they, they, they didn't have their audio, obviously, recording right at the right time. I will just say this. It occurs in a, a chapter 9 of a particular Old Testament book. Let's see if you can figure this out. You're going to kind of miss the reference, but I think you'll catch on really quick. Which book? I've already given you the chapter. It's chapter 9. But I want you to listen, and I want you to just say, okay, if the thesis for this live broadcast is Bible study, then what? What is the what that should follow Bible study? What is the what that should flow from Bible study? What should it be? It's more than one thing, but I believe it's found in this Old Testament book. Chapter 9, verses 1 and following, they're going to, in a way, they're going to mention at least, oh, I think they're going to mention all of them, but they don't really, like, that's not really their 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 focus, but we're going to make it our focus, all right? So are you ready? I heard this again, three, four o'clock in the morning, looking at the Sermons 2.0 app, and I heard this. Listen carefully. Nine, verses one and two. Now notice verse one. 
In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of Median descent, who was made king over the kingdom of the Chaldeans in the first year of his reign. And we talked about this last week, that this was in the month of October, 539 B.C. 539 B.C. And we know that, of course, Cyrus was the great king, and Cyrus the Persian placed this man, Darius, in this position. And we know that his name was Darius, but he also had another name, and the other name was Gubaru. So when you think of this Darius, we ought to think of Gubaru, and we know much about Gubaru on the basis of the cuneiform documents. And there are these inscriptions that set forth the fact that for 14 years he was governor of Babylon and the region beyond the river, and his name was Gubaru. So when we think of Darius, we're thinking of this man, and he was placed by Cyrus the Persian over Babylon. The book tells us various things about him. We know he was 62 years old. We know his father was Ahasuerus. We know his nationality. He was of Median descent. So we read these various things about him when we read this opening verse. In the first year of Darius, or you'll shock some people by saying, you know, that's Gubaru, the son of Ahasuerus, Ahasuerus of Median descent, who was made king by Cyrus over the kingdom of the Chaldeans in the We'll stop right there. If you don't know where we are, we're in Daniel chapter 9, verse 1. All right, Daniel chapter 9, verse 1. Uh, he's referring to uh, the first year of, uh, uh, I think he says Darius is how he says it, Darius. Uh, and he gives some information, some other name that uh, Darius is known by. Now, and again, immediately he's giving us information. We're gaining knowledge. We're gaining knowledge. All right. What we're going to listen for is, does this text give us what should flow, what should follow Bible study? Bible study, then what? Let's see if it does. The first year of this reign, 539, I, Daniel, observed in the books. All right, stop right here. So he, had, he identifies this time as 539 B.C., so in the first year of the reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books. So now we have the year 539 BC. Daniel understands something by the books. These books, we believe, are references to scripture. And so Daniel gains understanding. He had Bible study. He gains understanding. He gains knowledge. All right. Okay. So we understand that knowledge is going to happen, but knowledge alone puffs up. So does he just gain knowledge from his study or does something flow from that Bible study? Bible study, then what? Let's see if we get the then what. The number of the years which was revealed as the word of the Lord by Jeremiah the prophet for the completion of the desolations of Jerusalem namely 70 years. 
Okay, let's stop right here. Daniel figures out, by, based off the study of other Old Testament prophets, right, S- specifically Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish, that God would accomplish the 70 years and the desolations of Jerusalem, that the Babylonian captivity would last 70 years. He understands, he comes to knowledge. So clearly there's nothing wrong with gaining knowledge from Bible study, but obviously we know that there's a danger that knowledge alone will puff up. So Bible study does lead to knowledge, but if it just stops with knowledge, then it goes from Bible study knowledge to pride. So we need Bible study and knowledge, but that knowledge then should lead to something. There should something that should flow from it. Does this text offer what that is? So obviously you have Daniel. He is studying the various Old Testament books. He mentions specifically the book of Jeremiah, who was a contemporary. We know that he was reading from Jeremiah chapter 25 and Jeremiah chapter 29. We know this for sure. And we know also that he was reading from other books because he uses a plural. So no doubt he was reading from Isaiah chapters 44 and 45 that speak about Cyrus And no doubt he was reading Leviticus chapter 26 and Deuteronomy chapter 28. So we know that he was reading from various Old Testament books. And when you read in these Old Testament books, there are statements that are are given that if Israel as a nation repents and confesses sin, then God will establish a kingdom. So Daniel has been reading this. Daniel has been thinking about all of this on the basis of Jeremiah 25, 29, Isaiah 44, 45, Leviticus 26, Deuteronomy 28, and no doubt other books and other passages of Scripture that we read last week. But I want to go back to one particular passage in Jeremiah chapter 29, and I want you to notice this in Jeremiah 29, a contemporary of Daniel's. And I want you to notice what we read here, beginning with verse 10. Daniel chapter 29 and verse 10. I believe he, I believe he, he means Jeremiah 29 verse 10, because there's not 29 chapters of Daniel. So I believe he means Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 10. Oh, I hate, you don't know how much I loathe when I preach a sermon. And then I go back and listen and realize that I, I didn't say the, the chapter right or the, the reference right. I, I'm, I'm glad that I'm a pastor of a small church because my people usually will take about, about half a second and raise their hand and going, you said that wrong. <laughs> okay, you got it wrong. Okay, but uh, Jeremiah 29.10 is what he is referencing here. Jeremiah 29.10. Here we go. And this is, suppo- this is what Daniel was reading. This is where Daniel understood. This is where Daniel got his knowledge from, was from Jeremiah 29, verse 10. Here we go. Just know that when he was reading it, there wasn't a chapter 29, verse 10. The chapter, the verse and chapter divisions came much later. Daniel was no longer alive. Jeremiah was no longer alive. Nobody, uh, no, none, of, none, none of the biblical characters were alive. So he, did, he couldn't have just looked at Jeremiah 29.10. He was in the book of Jeremiah or in the scroll of Jeremiah or the writings of Jeremiah. All right, here we go. For thus says the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished in Babylon, 
I'll visit you and perform my good word towards you in causing you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Now notice this in verses 12 through 14. Then you will call upon me, and you will go and pray to me, and I'll hearken to you. And you will seek me and find me when you will search for me with all of your heart. And I'll be found of you, says the Lord. And I'll turn away your captivity. And I'll gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I've driven you, says the Lord. And I'll bring you again into the place which I cause you to be carried away captive. Now this is what Daniel has been reading. And as a result of his study of Scripture such as this particular passage, he was prompted to engage himself in personal prayer. All right, now did you hear that? Because of what he was studying, he was motivated, I think that's the word he used, to to basically engage in personal, I think he said personal and private prayer to God. Let's back that up just a little bit. Here we go. And I'll gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I've driven you, says the Lord. And I'll bring you again into the place which I cause you to be carried away captive. Now this is what Daniel has been reading. And as a result of his study of scripture, such as this particular passage, he was prompted to engage himself in personal prayer. He was prompted to engage in self and personal prayer. Please note. So what followed? Let's, I want you to hear this. According to the, so now this is not his, this is not his major thesis. This is not even a point of emphasis, really. He's going to pass through it relatively quick. We will let it play out just a couple of more minutes and then we'll, we'll switch over and we'll focus on it. But I just want you to see this. All right. So let's understand. Bible study, then what? Bible study should lead to knowledge. But if it just stays with knowledge, then the next thing it will lead to is pride. So it should be Bible study, knowledge, then something should happen. And in this particular case, he mentions that for Daniel, that knowledge led to him then immediately turning to personal self-prayer. Like, like he, he immediately turns to prayer. In other words, the study gave knowledge and the knowledge drove him to God. If the knowledge doesn't, this is what's going to happen. When you study the Bible, when you listen to sermons, when you read Christian books, that knowledge will either lead you to God or it will lead you to self-exaltation. Either you'll be led to God or you'll be led to self-exaltation. That's how it all, study will always lead you in those two different directions. And trust me, I have found myself time and time again spending hours in study and it led to self-exaltation. Look, you, you, if you don't find someone who goes to Bible college and talk to them after the first year of study, listen to them, watch, watch many Christians on social media. They have so much knowledge. They may know the Greek better than you. They may know the Hebrew better than you. They may know the scriptures better than you. They may know the references. They may be able to cite it by memory. They may be able to read it in a different language. They may know the history. They may know the theology. But in many cases, they're nothing more than arrogant jerks 
condescending. You can't even have any conversation with them because they act like they know more than anyone and they want everyone to know it. And they run around social media letting everyone know how much they know and how much everyone else is wrong. That's where the knowledge leads to self-exaltation. So Bible study, then what? Knowledge. And if you're not careful, that knowledge will lead to self-exaltation. Or it will, instead of leading to self-exaltation, it will lead you to God. We wish, I wish that every time I studied the Bible, I could say it led me straight to God. But in many cases, it led right to self. Oh, come on, come on, come on. Don't look at me that way. You know that it's happened to you as well, right? You know it. Come on, somebody say, oh, me, because I know I've been there. Wait, I can't be the only one. I, 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 I feel like right now there's some people sitting in their living rooms or, or in their car going, oh, man, just shaking their head. Man, he's such a mess. I mean, nobody, nobody studies the Bible, and it leads to self-exaltation. That's just, re- oh, give me a break, okay? It's been happening for forever, all right? Now, let's see what he's going to say here. Just keep listening. And that is what we read when we come to Daniel chapter 9 and we move into verses 3 and following. So obviously Daniel was a man who took God and his word and on the basis of God's promises that he found in his word, he began to pray that God would fulfill these promises, which tells me quite emphatically that we can never separate the Bible from prayer. We can. Now, this is good. This is good. All right. Because he's, he's, he's turning this to the Bible, then what? Our Bible study, then what? It should lead to prayer. Now, again, I think we should, we should follow this kind of logical thought. Now, we'll change it up a little bit, but right, but, um, Okay, good, good, good. Someone, I, someone's, I just saw a comment pop, uh, pop up to the, the corner of my eye, and I'm like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. What did I say wrong? Okay, so, someone just said, I definitely uh, self-exalt when I learn things. You're not alone. Okay, good, good. At least, at least there's two of us. There's two of us who are, well, we have problems. We have, there's two of us who have problems. All the rest of you are like, mm, 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 mm. those two people, I, I knew they had problems. And now we, we have confirmation live on the air that they have problems. But, but no, I think it's true. So let's try to follow this. Now, he in the sermon, we see where he's going, that we can never separate Bible study and prayer. We'll we'll get there, but I think I think the text I think the text lays this out in a different way. You'll see. But so if we follow R, we almost need a chart. It's almost a flow chart. Bible study, then knowledge. Then it either will lead to self-exaltation or it will lead to God. All right? Now what he's uh <laughs> it's because they have cognitive dissonance. All right, that's, all right, someone made a comment. You would have to see everything that's happened today with the word cognitive dissonance, okay, because that's that's the word of the day. All right, it's a long story. I won't go into it now, but but stay with me here, all right? So your Bible study will lead to knowledge. Knowledge will either lead to self-exaltation or Bible and knowledge and the knowledge will lead you to God. What he's doing is he's saying, 
basically he's going from Bible study straight to prayer, we're going to break it down a little bit more. We will add prayer to this because you're going to see it in Daniel, but we'll we'll break this down and, and add our, our own little chart here, our own little flow chart, and I think this will make a lot of sense. And again, I, I said this at the beginning, this is more for me than for anybody else because I've struggled with this throughout my Christian life at different times. Never divorce those two. They must always be wed together. Right. And he's saying never divorce Bible study and prayer. They must be wed together. They should never be separated. They should never be separated. Just stay with me because I think this is important. All right. We're going to talk about some important things. We'll let him, we'll let him finish out this thought. And the reason I wanted to play the audio is because I, I want, this is where my, I, I could turn on the microphone and just, I could lay this all out myself and it would look like that I came up with the idea. Now I've, I've thought about this for a long time, but last night, just he, even though this wasn't his thesis, I immediately like, oh, wow, I, I can I can lay this out. So I just wanted to know what what inspired all of my thinking and led me to, to where I ended up. All right, let's continue. God speaks to us through the Bible, and we speak to him through prayer. And that is absolutely what we read when we come to death. And I think that's so important. God speaks to us through his word. We speak to God in prayer. Somewhere, especially because of the charismatic movement, it turned into God speaks to us through his word and in prayer. No, God speaks to us in his word. We speak to him in prayer. That's the way it's supposed to work. God talks to me in scripture. I talk to him in prayer. The end. That's the way it works. God doesn't talk to me in prayer. I talk to God in prayer. God talks to me in his inspired and fallible word, but his inspired and fallible word should drive me to talk to him. All right, because you need the you need communication. Communication can't just be one-way street, right? It can't just be one person doing the talking. God speaks, I speak to him. Or you could say God speaks and I respond in prayer. But my prayer flows from the scriptures, flows from the knowledge. And many churches, this is so important. And and, oh, this is going to, okay, I'm going to probably tick off a lot of people, but that's okay. I've watched this my whole Christian life, and it literally makes me want to scream. Wednesday nights in many churches will be considered prayer meeting night, right? We're going to have prayer meetings. So we know what happens. The scriptures get reduced to a 15-minute devotional. Boom, because we got to have time for prayer, right? So what do we cut? We always cut the preaching of God's word. If you need fellowship, cut the preaching of God's word. You need a potluck, cut the preaching of God's word. You need anything, you cut the preaching of God's word because that's always the thing we cut. All right, drives me crazy. But here's the thing that drives me, here's another thing that drives me crazy is that you'll do that 15-minute devotional, Right? Everyone ends the devotional. Maybe if you're here in a church that's really radical, you'll go 20 minutes and then everyone will break off into prayer. In some churches, you'll have the women get together, the men get together, or you'll break into small groups of three or four people and you'll go to different classrooms and everyone will break up and pray. Now, I have never, never in my entire Christian life had at, at any time 
that the Bible study became what we, was the thing that led to the prayer. Right? We just had 15, 20 minutes of studying God's word. God just spoke to us. And this is literally what we do. Okay, all right, we're done with the devotion. We're done with the Bible study. All right, guys, any prayer requests? And everybody just goes, no prayer requests that flows from the study of the scripture. The, the study of the scriptures, are, it's like God just talked to us and we're already done. Now, God, you talk to us, but we're not going to talk to you about what you just said to us. We're going to talk to you about what we want. And here we go. All right. Aunt Bertha has an ingrown toenail. We got to pray for her. And, oh, I work with this guy and he's, he's, you know, an alcoholic. We got to make sure we tell everyone, everyone's business and we give them their name and, you know, address and their Facebook page. Okay. That's a little bit of hyperbole, but we go around, everyone has their request, and then we break off and we pray about what we want. We did. Now we're not going to even talk to God about what he just said to us through the preaching of his word. That's immediately just tuned out. And we're like, God, no, no, no. I, I know you just talked to us, but we don't care about that anymore. We've got something to say to you. And here's our list. Boom. At that moment, Bible study and prayer are not wed together. The Bible study, then what? Should be Bible study knowledge from knowledge. Then we'll, we'll go with his way of, of, of the way the sermon goes. Then prayer. Now, we'll look at Daniel and see exactly how it works. Look, you're guilty of that. I'm guilty of that. But when I study what should flow from it, the, the then what should be, okay, I get the knowledge. Now, what should that knowledge do? Now, I'm going to talk to God in regards to what I studied. All right. I, I, I'm, I, I'm hearing, I don't know what I'm hearing. I'm hearing probably people going, oh, I don't know about that. Oh, I, 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 I think, look, if you don't do that, then you just leave church with knowledge. The knowledge has to lead you to God. And the best way to lead to God is to talk to God about what you just learned. Daniel chapter 9. He is reading and studying the scriptures, certainly Jeremiah chapters 25 and 29, that explicitly speak of 70 years. He's been in captivity since 605. It's now 539. So he's been in captivity 66, 67 years. And, and that's crazy. Daniel's been, been in captivity for about 66, 67 years, according to his calculations. I know sometimes when we deal with dates and times, there's lots of disagreements. But according to his calculations, 66, 67 years, he's been studying the word of God and he's figured out, hey, we're only going to be here 70 years. It's about over. I'm going to talk to God about this. Right? That's a, that's a beautiful picture. But the, the knowledge led him to God. It did not lead to him to self-exaltation. Right? I, if, I, if I was to take this scene and insert myself, I'm just going to be honest with you. Right? I'm just going to be honest. Full transparency. If we were all in captivity and it's 66, 67 years and I'm up here in my studio slash study, right? I'm where all my books are, where the table tables are. And I'm sitting here and I'm studying and I'm studying. I'm, I'm like, oh, wait, we're only going to be here for 70 years. This is about over. Oh my goodness. What did I just discover? I guarantee you, look, I'm not even going to pretend. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even talk to God about it. I would immediately go, 
I'm going live. Let's go. We go live in five, four, three, two, one. Ladies and gentlemen, I was just studying in the book of Jeremiah chapter 29, and I can report to all of us and to me, to you, to everyone tonight that we will only be in captivity for 70 years. We only have a few more years of captivity. I wouldn't even talk to God. I would want to go tell everyone, look what I found. Look what I discovered. I would hope, I would hope, I would want to tell everyone because I want everyone to know and I want it to benefit them. But I'm just going to be honest. I'm a sinner. You can condemn me all day. There would be a part of me that would be like, look, you heard it first on the Theology Central podcast. All right. Uh, Someone just said, been struggling on what to pray about. This is a good place to start. Pray about what I'm learning. I, okay, I love that. All right, well, good, good. I, I, I've known this, but I never do this because I'm just going to be honest with you. What I want to do when I study is talk to everyone else. I want to tell everyone else what I've studied. I want to teach it. I want to preach it. Now, I think that there's a part of that 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 should be the case because I'm supposed to be apt to teach. And I think you have to, if the word of God is not just like, You can't contain it. It's like a fire inside of you. If you don't have that, you probably shouldn't be preaching. You shouldn't be probably doing a Christian podcast. It's got to be that way. But at the same time, if I'm not careful, if I don't have the part where I study, I gain the knowledge, and it drives me to God, okay, and it just drives me to tell it, well, if I'm not careful, that telling it becomes really a source of my own self-exaltation. And guess what? (laughs) Guess what? That can become a source of pride, right? But stay with me here. Let's, let's, this is taking longer than I want, but I want to really break this down. Maybe I'm just going to leave it for you to figure out here in a minute, but we'll see. He's almost done with his part and then we'll see. And he knows that the 70 years is about to be completed. And on the basis of the commandments to pray, he begins to pray on the basis of his reading. So when I read... Did you hear that? He began to pray on the basis of his reading. Any church that has a prayer meeting, the prayer meeting should be based off the reading. If you get a group of people together and we're going to say we're going to have a prayer meeting and we're going to do a devotional first, guess what your prayer meeting now just became about? The devotional. If the prayer is not about the devotional, then you're, you're not, the communication cycle is being broken. God just spoke to you in his word. If God is really speaking to you in his word, how can you not respond to him in prayer? this, I think about the opening verses, and then I think about how all of this prompted Daniel to respond by way of prayer. And you think about it, he expected the captivity to end in 70 years, no, no doubt about it. But he also believed, at least he was thinking, that perhaps this is when God was going to establish this kingdom. And that was absolutely within his mind as he begins to pray and ask God to do what he said he would do. 
Now that gets into some serious eschatology. Now we have this, the, we, there's so much we could go there. So I'm just going to stop this. Okay. That's called the prayer of Daniel. Let me pull it up on the sermons 2.0 app. I would challenge you to listen to all of it uh, so that, you know, well, first he gets the listens. Um, and second, you get to benefit from it. Um, I got to find it here. Uh, my recent history, the prayer of Daniel by, uh, and that's preached by John Ward, W-A-R-D, W-A-R-D, the prayer of Daniel, John Ward, W-A-R-D. You can find it on the Sermons 2.0 app, Sermon Audio, wherever. And I would challenge you to listen to the rest of it. We stopped it at the seven minute and 31 second mark. Now, he, he got us there. Wasn't his purpose. He got us there. Now, there's some other interesting things he does. He connects some things in Daniel with Revelation. There's some interesting things he does, but for our our purposes, if you have your Bible, all right, Daniel chapter 9. I'm going to grab my, uh, I got my notebook here, my journal. It's kind of a journal. And I'm going to try to try to, I'm going to try, I may try to write these down, okay, because because I want to chart this out, but let's just make sure we understand this. All right, you have two, this is the way Bible study should work. We study the word of God. Amen. That's wonderful. That's great. All right. Yay. We study God's word. All right. What do we get? What's the Bible study that what comes next? What what's next after Bible study? Well, now we have obtained knowledge. So Bible study leads to knowledge. Everyone can agree on that, right? So in our flow chart, we have in a sense, two individuals, one studies the Bible, gains knowledge. One studies the Bible, gains knowledge, right? That they, They're going the same path right now. Right now, you would look like that these people are on the same line, but now it splits. One person studies the Bible, gains the knowledge, and that's the end. They just, they just get the knowledge. And what flows from that knowledge becomes pride, which leads to self-exaltation. So the, the one person studies Gains knowledge, knowledge, they don't do, that knowledge just leads to pride and that leads to self-exaltation. And that's the end of their, their little flow chart. Bible study, knowledge, pride, self-exaltation. And that's the end. And then all the negative things that flow for that, we could chart it all out on all the things that flow from it. It's going to become arrogance, condemning. It's going to be a, a, just a horrible attitude. But you get the idea. They're just going to end up in the realm of self-exaltation and all the negative things that flow from it. You could, you, could flow, you could chart it out a little bit more if you want, but you get the idea, right? That's bad. Nobody wants there. Right? Nobody. We all end up there, but we don't want to be there. Now, the other person, this is the way it should work. All right, here we go. Bible study, knowledge. And then I'm going to flow, I'm going to, I'm going to work it out from Daniel chapter nine. Here we go. Daniel chapter nine, verse three. Daniel chapter nine, verse three. Now he, in verse two, he understands from the word of the Lord. There's his understanding and I set my face unto the Lord God. So in this flow chart, Bible study, knowledge, knowledge leads to seeking God. It goes from Bible study, knowledge, directly to God. You turn your face to God. In other words, you don't just stop with the knowledge. See, if you stop with the knowledge, the next step is going to be pride. 
but if you go from the knowledge directly to God. So immediately you don't stop at the knowledge. The knowledge points you to God. It directs you to God. So he sets his, I love that phrase. He sets my faith. I set my face unto the Lord God. And then, and then that seeking God, he turns to God then to seek by prayer. So it goes from study to knowledge to setting his face towards God. In other words, he turns his attention towards God. He sets his face towards God, right? He's, his, he's not stopping at the knowledge. He doesn't immediately go from knowledge to thinking about other people. Who needs to hear this? Oh, so-and-so. Oh, so-and-so. Oh, I'm going to prove an argument against so-and-so. He doesn't turn to his attention to other people. It goes from study to knowledge to God, and then from setting his face towards God, turning his attention to God, to prayer. So he sets his face towards God or his attention towards God, and then he begins to pray. Then he begins to pray. Now, the next word is interesting. I set my face unto the Lord. I think that he turns his attention towards God. And just remember, sometimes in Bible study, what we have a tendency to do is we, what we have a tendency to do is we study the Bible, we get knowledge, and either our attention is set to the person we want to prove wrong, which is always detrimental, okay? Or we turn our attention to ourself, or we turn, we need to immediately turn our attention to God. And then prayer. Then prayer. Pray about what? You pray about what, you, what you've just learned. You, you, may be, you may praise God for it. You may, what, you just begin to speak to God in regards to it. But then I think this is interesting. And this could lead to an interesting conversation. I'm going to read it from a different translation. So I turn my attention to the Lord God to seek him in prayer and petitions. Prayer and petitions. The King James prayer and supplication. So I would just ask you, is there a difference? Is there a distinction to be made between prayer and supplication? Now, let's just do this quickly. Let's just do this quickly. Should not take us long. I'm going to open up the Blue Letter Bible app. The Blue Letter Bible app. I'm going to go to the Old Testament. I'm going to find the book of Daniel. I'm going to go to chapter 9. I'm going to go to verse 3, interlinear, all right? Prayer is this Hebrew word, all right? Prayer is this Hebrew word. Strong's H, 8605, Tefillah, Tefillah. Tefillah. Now, Tefillah uh, is used 77 times, and it's uh, translated prayer all 77 times. Tefillah means intercession, supplication, by implication, a hymn, prayer, all right? So some would say this would be more, some people would say this prayer would go more with a, a praise, a thanksgiving, right? You're praising God or thanking God for what you have learned. Some people, now, but to be fair, it can also include intercession and supplication. So do we need to make a distinction here? I don't know, but let, there is prayer. Now let's go back to Daniel 9, right? Go back to verse three. Let's look up the word supplications. 
obviously it's a different Hebrew word. If I said Greek word a minute ago, I apologize. Here is the uh, the Hebrew word. Strong's H eighty four sixty nine. Tachanun. Tachanun. is used eighteen times, seventeen times supplications, one time entreaties. Um, supplication, supplication for favor to man or to God. Now, if we look up the word supplication, if we look up the word supplication, just a normal definition of supplication, supplication, um, it means to plead humbly is how one a definition has. While a supplication is often thought of as a religious p- prayer, it is used uh, it is used 60 times in the Bible. It can logically be applied to any situation a situation where you entreat someone in power for help or favor. So in a roundabout way, the the prayer is he seeks God, and he's turned his attention to God. He prays. He begins to praise God or thank God, there's the prayer, and the supplication, he begins to entreat God. He begins to ask God for specific things related to what he has learned. Again, it's the knowledge that leads to his attention turning to God. He begins to praise and thank God for what, because God just spoke to him, right? I mean, look, if you, if you really, really, I, maybe this will make sense to you. If you really, 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 really are in love with someone, like crazy in love with someone, the, the mere fact that they say hello, you're like, hey, thank you. Thank you a million times. I can't thank you enough. You talk to me. Hello. Thank you. It's the greatest thing in the world. Well, if God, the creator of the universe, spoke to you and you really believe your Bible study was that, immediately I'm going to turn my attention to God. He just talked to me. He just talked to me. Now, the fact that he just talked to me, guess what you do? Then you're like, God, thank you for for speaking to me. Thank you for your word. Thank you. I praise you for whatever we learn in scripture, whatever. I I praise you that I learned that you are holy or that you have made this promise or what. I praise you and thank you for the power you demonstrated in uh, delivering Israel from Egypt. In other words, I begin to praise and thank God for what I found in scripture. And then begin supplication. I begin to ask and entreat, petition in a sense for God based off what I have learned. All right. So, so we study what comes next, knowledge. That knowledge should turn our attention to God. That because now we've gotten our, our attention toward God, because we know he spoke to us, we pray to him, praise or thanksgiving. And then we supplicate, we ask, we, we in a sense, entreat him for his favor. All right. Then with fasting, with fasting, so many times people fast. But in many cases, it doesn't seem to be connected to actual Bible study. It's your Bible study that should lead you to fasting. Because of what you've seen, because of what you heard, you begin to fast because you are, you are either going to discipline yourself. You are, it leads to fasting. And look at what else it leads to. Sackcloth and ashes. So think of it this way. I'm going to put sackcloth and ashes. I'm going to put fasting, sackcloth, ashes. And then the very next uh, part, and I prayed unto the Lord God and made my confession. I'm going to put fasting, 
sackcloth and ashes, all as with the confession. So here's how it should work. Here's how it should work. All right. Here's how it should work. And maybe, maybe I'm going to, to well, I will just going to put a confession, but it will make sense to you. All right. So here, here's what we should do. We study the Bible. What comes next? Knowledge. What comes next? That knowledge should make me turn my attention to God. Now I'm turning my attention to God because God just spoke to me in Bible study. Now I'm going to praise and thank God for him speaking to me. Then I'm going to, I'm going to have supplication. I'm going to ask him. I'm going to entreat him for specific things based off what I have learned. Right? Then what I'm going to do, okay, after I've got given that supplication, here's what I'm going to do. I am then going to confess. I'm going to put this all under confession. I am going to confess to God my failure, my shortcomings, my conviction that I have now felt because I have heard God's voice in the word of God. Anytime God speaks, I'm going to be confronted with something. I'm going to be confronted with my own weakness, with my own doubt, with my own fear, with my own anxiety, with my own confusion, with my own anger, my own business, my own um bitterness, my own lust, whatever. I'm going to be confronted with something. Whenever God speaks because his voice is holy, I'm going to be confronted. And this confession, I want you to see this. This confession is not simply mere words. It has a reaction. I'm going to fast. I'm going to sackcloth and ashes. I'm going to confess with my words. It is a emotional response because I am confronted with the holy voice of God in scripture. Now, that that fasting, the sackcloth and ashes is just demonstrating that I am broken, humbled, and confessed. I'm going to put that all with the confession. You can break it out if you want to, but I'm saying that God's voice leads to a humility. It humbles me and I confess. I may want to spend time fasting because of my own Failure to show discipline, to, to show that I am going to spend extra time thinking about what I've just learned. In many churches, does, does, does the sermon ever lead to fasting? No, the sermon usually leads to a potluck. <laughs> that, that's what it usually does. But because I'm so touched by what I've read and I realize my own failure that I'm going to spend time. I'm not going to eat. I'm going to meditate and contemplate on what I have. Look, Daniel was just hit with some serious truth. The the 70 years is about to come to an end. And he's led to confess the sins of the people. He's led to fasting. He's led to sackcloth and ashes. He's led to confession. Because in some ways you could say, we've been in captivity for 70 years, but do we deserve for it to ever come to an end because of our sin? Because of how he's, he's immediately touched by it. So prayer, then what? It should be prayer. I'm sorry. Bible study, then what? It should be Bible study, then knowledge. Knowledge should then turn our attention to God. Then prayer, we praise and thank God for his word. Then we engage in supplication, we entreat God on, because of things we've found in his word, then it should lead to, and I'm going to say it this way, humble confession. 
humble confession. If Bible study doesn't go follow this flowchart, then it will either lead, let me say it again, Bible study will either lead you to pride and self-exaltation, or it will lead you to turning your attention to God, praying, supplication, and humble confession. You will be humbled, and you will be broken. And if you're not, then your Bible study becomes the source of pride and self-exaltation. And we always struggle with this. Preachers do, podcasters do, seminary professors do, small group leaders, Sunday school teachers, and every other person. I'm going to check, make sure there's been no more comments on the Spreaker app. There's much more I could say there. There's much more I could say. There's much more I could say. But I'm just going to kind of leave it there. I'm going to kind of just leave it like, I'm just going to kind of leave it hanging there for you to take and you to meditate on. Now, you could argue, and I'm very aware of this. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. This passage is not really prescribing anything. It's just describing something. And I agree. It's much more descriptive in nature than prescriptive. I 100% agree with that. But what happens here, I think, is so important. Look, we know in Scripture that Scripture can lead to arrogance and pride. We know that. Look at the Pharisees. Look at the Sadducees. They, they may knew the Word of God. They may knew the law, but they were arrogant, condescending, no mercy, Jerks and Jesus attacked them. So we do know that. Even 1 Corinthians, it's it's we're warned that knowledge puffs up. We know this. So scripture will lead to knowledge, which will lead to pride, which will lead to self-exaltation, or scripture will lead to knowledge, and that knowledge will turn your attention to God, and that attention to God will turn to prayer where you're praising and thanking God for what you've heard, then supplication, you're, you're asking God for specific things related to what you have studied, right? And then that will lead to humble confession. If Bible study does not lead you to humility and confession, then your Bible study is vain, 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 vanity of vanities meaningless, meaningless. And there's a lot of people who go to church on a Sunday, listen to the sermon, and leave the church more knowledgeable, more prideful, and more exalted in their self. Some leave the church more knowledgeable, but immediately that knowledge turns their attention to God, not anybody else. And immediately they praise and thank God for what they've learned. They begin to have supplication towards God, asking specific things and related to what they heard. And before maybe they even get home, maybe from the, from the parking lot to their front door, they find themselves humbled and confessing their sin 
and their guilt because they've been confronted and have heard the voice of God in the word of God. That concludes this devotional thought on this Friday, January the 13th, 2023. Thank you so much for listening. Please email me your thoughts about all of this. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. Thanks to uh, the person who was making the comments. I greatly, greatly appreciate that. It's always good to know someone is listening. I appreciate it. And, uh, well, it's always a good thing. All right. Newsif at yahoo.com. I'd love to get your thoughts on this. Tell me if you agree, you disagree, or maybe you've even got it mapped out a little better than I have. I purposely didn't want it perfect because I wanted to just kind of say, look, how about this, guys? And then hopefully spark a good conversation. Those in the Discord channel, hey, start talking because I think there's a lot here to talk about. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. Everyone have a great evening. God bless.